Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Doable Discipleship. This is a special series that we are in right now. Last week, we talked about, uh, we had Pastor Rick's message is it's time to speak up. Well, it's time to continue this conversation. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon Robinson, and I'm joined today actually by my wife, Laura Robinson. I'm really excited about that. And also Rob Jacobs. If you don't know who Rob is, uh, outside of being my boss, Rob is the Lake Forest 201 pastor, kind of the 201 spiritual growth pastor over, uh, really all of our Saddleback campuses, but he is at uh, our Lake Forest campus, is an incredible mind, uh, a brilliant mind, a humble guy, a gentle guy. So I'm really excited for this conversation. And we're gonna continue to take some steps into uh, the cultural moment that we're in. There's a lot of uh, unrest, I think, in our society right now, especially along ethnic and racial lines. So we want to speak to that. We want to offer, a gospel kingdom perspective in this conversation. So really excited for today. Rob, I'm going to turn over to you. Rob's going to read some scripture for us and we're going to jump into our conversation. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for having me. Hey, Laura, thanks for being here with us. Of course. So happy to. So I'm going to read from second Corinthians seven. And uh, this is Paul writing. Even if my letter made you sorrowful, this is a reminder, Paul's, writing to the Corinthians about a a specific sin that was happening in their church. Even if my letter made you sorrowful, I don't regret sending it, even though I felt awful for a moment when I heard how it grieved you. Now I'm overjoyed, not because I made you sad, but because your grief led you to deep repentance. You experienced godly sorrow, and as God intended, it brought about gain for you, not loss, so that no harm has been done by us. God designed us to feel remorse over sin in order to produce repentance that leads to victory. This leaves us with no regrets, but the sorrow of the world works death. Can't you see the good fruit that has come as God intended? Because of your remorse over sin, now you are eager to do what's right. Look at the indignation you've experienced over what happened and how alarmed you've become. What holy longing it awakened, what passion for God, and how ready you were to bring justice to the offender. Your response has proved that you are free of blame in this matter. And there's a lot of blame to go around. And we're going to keep talking about this. And as Pastor Rick said to us before, it is time to speak up. And this isn't about assigning condemnation. It isn't about assigning blame right now, but it is about having honest conversations and understanding realities that maybe you don't know. For myself, growing up in Southern California, growing up in Orange County, I only have a limited number of experiences when it comes to the issues that we're dealing with with race in this country right now. And what most of the listeners don't know, I know you guys love Brandon. He's a pastor. He loves Jesus. He loves you. But you need to know one of the things about him is that he's an African-American, that he's a black man living in the United States of America. And there are realities and experiences that he has that I don't understand and that you don't understand and that it's important for us to listen to. And another thing you need to know about his wife, Laura, she's white. And so not only do we have, you know, an African-American man and his white wife, we have then the dynamic of this multiracial couple 
And, and another interesting thing about them is they're, they're both from the South. So I thought it would be interesting to hear their stories because that guys, that's where the place we're at right now. It is time to listen. What we don't need is sympathy. What we need is empathy. We need honest yeah. conversations. And that requires some of us to be patient and humble listeners, to be learners. And that's what we want to model today. I am, I am older than Brandon, but he is my mentor in this. And we need to be humble enough as people to say that, to say that there are people who have experiences we do not understand, and we need to be able to sit next to them and listen and ask honest questions, but do it with good intent, not to prove ourselves right, not to win some kind of argument, but to understand because that's what love is. We don't need to fear each other. We need to love each other. and Remember that love casts out fear. So that's what Brandon and I have been doing. We have been having conversations. I'm reading things I've never read before. I'm listening to things I've never listened to before. And he is the teacher for this and for me. And what we hope to do again is just to continue model this. And Laura has some experiences that are going to be so valuable for you guys to hear as well. So what I, what I thought would be a great way to start is let's talk about that moment where you go to each other's families and say, hey, guess who's coming to dinner, right? Like, what, what's that moment like? Yeah, well, I'll start for this. So um, an interesting thing. So my mom is actually mixed. She's biracial. She is uh, half white, half black. Her mother's white. Her, her dad is black. So for me, um, when Laura and I started dating, when it was kind of that guess who's coming home for dinner moment, uh, it wasn't as much of a, sh- a shock for us because um, of my mom's ethnic background, my mom's uh, racial background. However, in saying that, though, there's still things uh, like the home I grew up in was very much culturally a African-American or very much culturally a black home. Um, so even though, for instance, I went to schools that were predominantly white or um, I was in environments where they were predominantly white, when I was at home, the, the culture of our home was a, an African-American experience, an African-American culture. So I kind of had, for me, some experience operating in, in two different worlds. However, um, it was a little, I don't want to say jarring, but it was different than, than what I expected because um, with my wife being white and her coming uh, home for dinner in, in that sense, it was kind of bringing a different culture into the intimate parts of my family culture, my, my family's culture. Um, so even though we have, I have white family members, even though my grandmother is white and my mom is half white, us being in a culturally black home, adding another culture uh, into that, I think for for all of us, it was a little bit of like, oh, um, this is interesting. <laughs> this is different. We do things in a different way. We eat different foods. We speak differently. Um, those were the things that I think were uh, very eye-opening, not just for me, but like for, for my parents as, as well. I think even for my sister, it was just we didn't, I don't think, realize the, um, how much the, the culture at home impacted and shaped and formed um, our experience and uh, really our lives. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, growing up white in the South, 
is different than growing up black in the South. My parents, my family, while never being overtly racist, definitely um, had to come to terms with maybe some ingrained prejudice and just prejudiced ways of thinking that they probably hadn't had to confront before. And so as things started to get more serious with Brandon, um, we were young when we got married. I was I think I was 21 when he met my family. And so I think there was some thought around like, maybe this is a phase or it'll pass. And as things got more serious, there were some hard conversations. You know, my, my dad grew up in South Georgia and his family particularly really had a hard time. I can remember being a little girl and there being talk about, you know, it's, it's um, unequally yoked was a term that was thrown around basically that it was a sin that which is way out of context scripture is way way out of context and um, although I would never describe my grandparents as hateful people there were some ingrained prejudices and so there was a time that it was really uncomfortable we had a couple moments (laughs) yeah we had a couple of uncomfortable experiences and it was really hard because I loved Brandon for all that he is because he not in spite of his blackness, but his blackness is part of what makes him who he is, his experiences and um, the way he loves the Lord and the way he leads. And um, I felt a little hurt. Like you guys are missing out on so much because you can't get over this, this part. And not only can you not get over it, you need to learn to really love it. And so um, there, there came a point where there were some hard conversations around like, Hey, we're getting married. So this is my family now. And I would love for you to love him like I do. Um, But if you don't, like you won't really see me anymore. And that was hard. That was really tough. I'm so grateful that it's not that way anymore. God's done a really beautiful work, but it was, it was intense at first. (laughs) I won't lie. Um, It was a unique experience. (laughs) It was. And it was a little bit of a, yeah, this, this is happening moment. We're, we're getting married and Hey, we want you to be a part of our lives. We want you to be around. Um, but you can also choose not to be a part of it. Uh, but we, as a couple, like we, we had decided we're, we're going to move forward, um, with this and we, we want you guys to, to be on board. So there is definitely moments where, um, being around grandparents Grandparents or being around around some of our older family members, it was a little, just nothing overt or, you know, it wasn't a volatile situation, but it was very passive aggressive. It was very, it was, it was, it was a little icy, uncomfortable <laughs> um, with, I think, the optics of what we looked like yeah. together. Yeah. So, Ryan, what was that first visit like to her house? Weren't you saying something like looking at the pictures brought some interesting questions to your mind? <laughs> yeah. So, your grandparents' house? Yeah. So, I had gone to her grandparents live on a farm. Um, and it's really fun. They got like kind of an ATV thing. There's, you can go fishing. Um, usually her grandfather will like get on the grill and barbecue. And this is North Carolina, South Carolina. So this is like, this is real barbecue. Um, <laughs> not that other co- places, the country doesn't barbecue, but the Carolinas, it's like a sport. It's, oh, that's a your place barbecue, right? North barbecue. <laughs> it's North Carolina barbecue. Um, so the first time I met them, it was as your friend. And I went to their farm as part of a friend group. And it was kind of like, oh, this is great. Your friends are all down here. Friends with heavy quotation marks around friends. We were yeah, just we were friends. just about to start dating, but we weren't <laughs> dating yet. Um, and it was fine. And then uh, 
the next time I went down to your grandparents' farm with you, we were dating. We had been dating, I think, at that point for a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a little awkward. And I was thinking, okay, how can I cut through this awkwardness? So um, I asked her grandmother, I said, hey, uh, could you show me family pictures of uh, you and your family? So she gets the album out and she's going through family pictures. Um, and it's still a little awkward. I can. I think we could have both feel the tension, but we are trying to be courteous and respectful. Um, but it was awkward. And she's showing me pictures of her, her when she's a little girl and her parents. And um, meanwhile, I know a little bit about the history with her family in, in particular, which is, um, well, I don't know if we have to go into all that, but unless you want to, but uh, it, it was just a, an experience and, and Laura walked to the door and she pulled me aside after and she said, you know, I don't even know if they've had a black person in their home, much less a black person um, with them looking through family photos, which is a pretty intimate um, yeah. experience. And when she said that, I thought, huh, I guess you're right. That That is, that's interesting. Um, I don't, you know, sometimes you find yourself in places with people you kind of get behind that wall and you don't even know that you're doing that or it just, it just sort of happens and you both find yourselves and, Oh, this is, this conversation got a little deep or, (laughs) Oh, you're sitting on my couch and we're looking at pictures when I was a little girl. Um, I think, yeah, the best part I can describe is interesting because it, it wasn't, it was kind of a mix of emotions. It was awkward. It was a little tense. It was, um, I would say a little, little cool, uh, not cold, but it was, <laughs> it, was uncomfortable. It, it was uncomfortable. And I was doing something I thought like, maybe this would be a good humanizing experience that we can both share together. Um, looking back, it might've been a little heavy, <laughs> but I, but, but honestly, from that interaction that was, we kind of stumbled through it. Um, from that interaction, I, I can say, I can probably trace back to that interaction, actually, how much better our relationship has gotten, oh, yeah. how much warmer it's gotten, how much um, just being able to share about each other's worlds. And I was able to say, oh my gosh, um, you know, I actually have a grandmother and she's white and this looks like where she grew up. <laughs> and this and it's kind of bridging some of those gaps that we, uh, well, that I know that we had. Um, slowly but surely from that interaction, however awkward that was, we were able to start having some more meaningful conversations. Our hugs started to get a little bit longer. Um, uh, Our tone and the way we spoke to each other, the way we spoke about each other got warmer. Uh, So that's actually something that's pretty pretty special for me as I look back, especially as our early dating marriage life. Yeah, it's been really cool to see the power of relationship in proximity and I'm really thankful. That's it, yeah, proximity. Yeah. My grandmother now, every time I talk to her on the phone, she says, and you tell Brandon, I love him too. We love him too. We miss him. And that's really cool and really powerful. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, my grandparents and my family chose relationship with us over um, maybe winning or feeling safe. Like relationship is hard and it requires vulnerability and, they're in their late sixties, early seventies. And I know that it's required vulnerability for them to enter into relationship with that us that way. But I'm so thankful that they chose relationship with us and the transformation that comes along with that. And Lord willing, one day we'll have little Brown babies and it will be (laughs) so cool and so redemptive to see my grandparents with 
brown great grandbabies. Like that is really cool and really healing. And um, God's really done. I know that's not always the story and that breaks my heart, but I'm so thankful that God's, God's done that work in our family. Their relationship does require vulnerability and the proximity. And I think that's, in many ways, your guys' marriage is um, is kind of a metaphor for things that need to happen in our in our country. We need to get close with each other. We need to start listening to each other. And we need to do the work of pushing through these issues and pushing through the things that are, and it all starts in our heart. And, and the staff this week at Saddleback, um, especially our African-American staff, has been sharing some stories, well, this week and last week. And they've been sharing some, some their painful stories. And we're grateful that they're sharing their pain. But they have been also so illuminating and eye-opening for so many of the other staff. And I was wondering, Laura, like, as you, as you sit next to Brandon in these, in, in these last few weeks, what what is the things that you see him wrestling with? What has been some of the pain that you have seen uh, just, you know, being near him, being the closest person to him? Um, I'm not asking for you to divulge your marriage secrets, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's a great question. And forgive me if I'm emotional. Um, it's been really hard. It's been really hard. Uh, we've talked a lot about the interesting position of being white married to a black man in this season um, because there are so many things that I don't know and I don't understand. And also when you're married, you really are one and you feel things that they're feeling. And so I can't have his experience, but when he's hurting, I'm hurting. And when he's grieving, I'm grieving. Um, And so the first emotion is I just feel so proud and blessed by the way he has been so vulnerable and courageous and transparent with the way that he shared his experience. Um, That's hard for anybody. It's definitely hard right now in this season. Um, And it's really humbling. It's really, really humbling to watch Brandon and his peers lead out in this way and have a willingness to kind of peel back the layers and let people in on really deep hurts associated with being black in America and the reality of experiences. And I think even things that honestly I had um, not always really sat with or wrestled with that have happened to him or that he's experienced that I've kind of like, well, you're okay now or, but you, we made it, you're okay. And even I, as his wife have not given him the honor and dignity of just sitting with his hurt and pain. And, um, I've had to do a lot of repenting myself, um, about some of the ways I've handled his hurts in the past. And so it's been really neat to get to sit next to him and rub his back while he has hard and courageous conversations for the sake of relationship and for the sake of like the church and the gospel and kingdom. Um, I want to lead like that. I want to be courageous like that. So I mostly just feel really proud and humbled to get to sit next to him while he does that. But it's, it's painful and it's hard to hold for sure. And I think if I can just go back a, a little bit, Rob, because I think something really important is happening right now in this conversation. And, um, what you just said and with the proximity that we were just talking about, right? There's, I kind of see there's two types of proximity. There's physical proximity. 
proximity where you're around other types of people. That's like, you know, you go to a concert, you go to a show or the movies, or you go to a game. When we used to do that stuff. Yeah. And, but, you, but you find yourself around other types of people and there's a common interest. You like the same music, you like the same food, you know, you like the same team and you find yourselves all like rah, rah, rooting in take, there's a togetherness um, because you're interested in the same thing or you like the same thing. Um, but after that game's over, after you pay for the food and uh, you get the check and it's done, after the music stop and stops and the concert ends, everyone gets back in their cars and they go back to their normal lives. Um, so it feels like there's a proximity. There feels like things are happening, but it's, it doesn't have any real staying power. And I think the proximity that we need to be working towards is emotional proximity where you can empathize and enter into someone's story and enter into somebody's pain. Because if you don't have an emotional proximity, um, as soon as whatever the thing is, is done, you're done. Um, but with an emotional proximity, you can hear an experience, you can um, empathize and enter into someone else's story. So even after that thing is done, even after you go home and you, you know, you got your head to pillow at night, that sticks with you a lot longer. And that starts to slowly um, starts to chip away the longer you have that emotional proximity with other people and with other cultures and races and ethnicities, it starts to chip away and kind of expose some of the prejudice or some of the bias that you have that you probably had no idea was even in there. Mm -hmm. um, things that you just internalize as a child or as a kid that you, it's just in there subconsciously. You never really think about it. It's just kind of how you think. It's almost the air you breathe. It's not something that you're conscious of. Um, but the more that we have that emotional proximity to other people, when you hear those stories, it sticks to you. And then it starts to slowly pull away and tear away at some of that bias that you probably didn't even know was a part of your story or a part of your thought process. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of people recently say, oh my gosh, like I've, I've had black friends growing up or I've, I've had friends of other cultures growing up, growing up. I've never thought about this. I've always thought of myself as a uh, very inviting and, and including person. Uh, but then you start to realize I never really had any meaningful interactions outside of we played on the same team or uh, we were in band together. I never had, I never asked about their experience. I never asked, hey, what's it like for you growing up in this town? Or what's it like for you growing up in America? And it's when we um, step into that vulnerability that we, we say, okay, this may be really awkward and I'm okay with that for the sake of relationship. Uh, there's a lot of beauty and goodness that can come out of this. And when we step into that, um, we lean into some of that vulnerability and we start to get the good uh, experiences, um, the transformational experiences. We start to empathize with people in new ways or ways that we haven't in the past. And we start to realize some of the hard truth about ourselves. But like you read with that um, passage you opened up with, Rob, it's, that's okay, you know, to, to, to come to grips with that hard truth because it transforms you because God takes that um, and it leads to repentance and it leads to goodness and it leads to flourishing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what we're all after and that's what we all need. So it's not just a physical proximity. It's taking that extra step and saying, I'm not just going to be around you. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your story? I want to know more about you, that, that emotional proximity. Mm -hmm. 
And I think if I'm, I'm kind of reflecting on what I see happening and the way we're responding to you as fellow staff and the way we're, and even the way I'm like, Hey, can you, uh, recommend resources or tell me to listen to this podcast or whatever. Like it's, it's almost as if now you're picking up another cross. So you're, you're carrying the burdens of reality of what it's like to be a black man in in America right now. And especially right now. And then on top of that, it's like, Oh, and by the way, all these other people are saying, Hey, can you teach me what I need to know right now? So what is that like right now, that dynamic of like all these people coming and saying, yeah, I guess I didn't know anything, but I guess it's up to you to figure that out. What's our responsibility for learning and getting, and, 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 you know, and seeking deeper knowledge in this area? I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? It can't be just you, right? You're just. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a great question. And exactly. It can't just be on the shoulders of, African-American people to, to teach. Um, so kind of, I have no issue stepping into conversations. I have no issue if someone emails me and says, Hey, what do I do? What do I say? How, what, what do I need to read? Um, no issue at, at all with that. My asking those, in, cause there's two asks, right? You're asking me, can you help me? I want to learn, which is great. That's beautiful. And my asking that is, yes, I would absolutely love to do that. What are you reading? Who else are you talking to? Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's share this burden together. And I kind of think about that. Uh, I think it's, it's Galatians 6 two, um, bearing each other's burdens. Um, and in so doing, you fulfill the law of Christ. And as when we, when we bear one another's burden and say, hey, I'll do some lifting on my own. I'll read on my own. Um, I'll listen on my own. And then when we come to have a conversation, there's much more of a foundation uh, that we can talk about. It's not so much just one-sided because when it's one-sided, it's, it's really tiring. And I think for a lot of um, black people in America, you're thinking, okay, I'm trying to myself process pain and, and enter into some parts that I probably keep locked away. I don't really, I'm not pulling that off the shelf every morning and stepping into it. Um, it's there, but I'm not engaging with it every day. But in these conversations, you have to, you have to engage with it. Um, so if you're asking someone else, hey, can you enter into your pain to teach me? I think that's okay to ask because that's how we learn, right? Um, but it's important that you also share some of that responsibility and you think, okay, I need to Google. <laughs> I need to, who do I need to be following on social media? Yeah. Um, how can I also be engaging on my own so that we can have productive conversations around ethnicity, around race, around mm-hmm. uh, the history of our country. And I think also for um, black brothers and sisters, you have to establish a rhythm. You can't stay in this mode 24 seven, you have to, um, one of my favorite things about Jesus you see throughout the gospels is that he has this rhythm of he's out, he's healing, he's casting out demons, he's preaching and teaching in synagogues, you know, he's preaching on the hillside and there's thousands of people around him. But then you also see him retreating to quiet spaces. You also see him getting out into the wilderness, into solitude, and he's praying and he's having that deep fellowship and communion with God. And I, I don't think that, Without that part, 
um, without getting away to pray and to be with God, you can't sustain the output. You have to also be poured into, you have to have input. And um, we get that through prayer and getting away and setting up boundaries and saying, Hey, I can't, I can't talk about this today. Um, but let's set up a time next week. Let's get coffee or let's go out to lunch. And I'd love to talk about this with you in the meantime, read these three things and let's talk about it. Um, so it's sharing each other's burdens, uh, I think is the most important thing in making sure that, uh, it's not a one-sided conversation. It's not just, Hey, teach me everything, you know, give me all of your painful experiences, but it's, uh, um, I want to enter into that. Uh, you tell me when you're ready to do that, but I would love to do that. I want, I want to learn, I want to know, and I want to experience and empathize with you. And I think, are you, you, you said something earlier, you kept repeating it for the sake of, for the sake of, we're not just doing this so we can be better informed citizens. We are doing this for the sake of the gospel. We're doing this for the sake of restoration. We're doing this for the sake of bringing kingdom into the kingdom that was in with, is within us into the world. We're trying to restore the garden. We're trying to restore relationship. We're trying to build community. There is massive for the sakes of here, right? We, if we truly believe to go one chapter before, I was just in Second Corinthians 7. If you go at the end of 6, he's talking about how God is our father, we're sons, we're daughters. And if we're sons and daughters to God, that means we're brothers and sisters to each other. We are doing this for the sake of family. Yeah. We're family. Laura, what, what kind of things have you seen as like, um, you hear Brandon talking about like, here's kind of like the approach we, you know, and giving some advice for us on learning and kind of empathizing and kind of getting deeper into stories. What, What's been that like for you and what advice would you give our listeners on that? Sure. Yeah, I would definitely echo um, just honoring healthy boundaries for our black brothers and sisters that we're asking to say, hey, if you can't respond to this for a month, that's okay. Um, And also evening out our asks with just a check-in of, hey, how are you? Or I'm thinking about you. Or um, just making sure that we're giving as much as we're asking for. Um, And we really can't. (laughs) We can't give education back, but we can give a check-in. Or can I door dash you a Starbucks? Or, you know, just a what do you need? How can I be praying? I think that goes a lot longer. We've had some kind friends just reach out to just say like, hey, you don't even have to respond. Just telling you that we love you and we're praying. And that means so much. Um, Absolutely. I would also say as far as being a white person, trying to educate yourself, um, a wise friend reminded me the other day that social media especially is designed to give you more of what you already have. It's designed to kind of put you in an echo chamber. And so intentionally stepping out of those boxes and finding people to follow, finding new newsletters to subscribe to different voices, even if you don't a hundred percent align on every little bullet point, voices that are wise voices from men and women um, of color who you can learn from adding those to your timeline, adding those to your, your Facebook and your Instagram and your Twitter to invite just some different perspectives. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to agree, but sometimes it just gives us a really good place to ask questions or just even a topic to then take to the black friends that we have actual proximity and relationship with and say, Hey, I saw someone tweeted this. And at first it kind of made me mad and then it made me upset. And will you help me process this because I trust you and you trust me? Um, 
social media is a gift for that, that we can use our resources, these free resources to invite some different voices into our sphere and, and educate ourselves because I do think that the world would have us believe that this is every kind of issue, but not a gospel issue. And the reality it is, it's a gospel issue and it's, it's a matter of kingdom. And it's, it's actually just a part of who we are as the church to love our brothers and sisters and to reconcile to one another. And sometimes that means a lot of times that means really hard conversations and repenting and empathizing, but this is the work of the gospel in our lives. And so it's actually a really beautiful thing to step in to be a part of, but it, it can be scary. It can be scary for me in my marriage, much less in, you know, a conversation with a friend. And so my encouragement is to, to gently and gracefully start to dip your toe in and have the conversations because um, you're made for this stuff. This is, this is what we're built for as Christ followers. Yeah. And one of the things you aren't hearing, uh, I'm talking to the listener guys, one of the things you're not hearing us talk about, you're not hearing us talk about politics. That's not what this is about. Right. This is about Amen. the gospel of Jesus Christ being lived out in our lives and in the world. And I can tell you, and you're going to hear in the coming weeks, uh, Brandon and even Jason, when, when he's back, um, had his baby. So great. Um, Love you, Jason. These, these are guys who are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're committed to seeing the church flourish and they're they're committed to seeing the maturity of us and to see Saddleback step into this, uh, and not shy away from it. And pastor Rick is leading us there, but the, the great part of this show is that we can have these long form conversations and dialogues. And I can tell you guys, having listened to Brandon, um, this is where he's at. He's about the theology of this. He's about uh, doing that, that work and leading us into those places. And he's not telling anyone to, how to vote. Saddleback is right. made up of Saddleback's made up of every political party as it is. So we're not, well, that's not what it's about. We're about Jesus. And so we're going, we're going where Jesus is going. And I, and Amen. I, I want to go back to something you were saying earlier, Brandon, about the taking yourself into places of quiet, taking yourself in the places, going up on that mountain and spending time praying. Um, one of the things that I've noticed as, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit too, is how necessary it is in times of, well, times like guys, these are times are unprecedented, right? We're, we're in a major health crisis leading into an economic crisis that's then now we have a socio-cultural crisis and then we're in a political season that's going to lead to some kind of political crisis. Like there's, there's, there's way too much for us to be, to handle. Yes. If we are not plugging in to Jesus, talk, talk, talk to us about that. Yeah. I, I, what you just said, there's way too much to handle. Um, I'm a believer in that. We, we actually don't have as much bandwidth uh, probably as we think that we do. Um, so this is one of those conversations that uh, we want to have this for the long haul and we need you for the long haul. If we are going to really lean into this reconciliation, um, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is not a, uh, it starts in a cultural moment, but it, it extends a lot further beyond that. This is something that um, we want to be continuing to grow in and mature in, not just in 2020, but in 2021 and 2022. Um so the pace that we move is incredibly important. And if you're just, if you, um, well, I'll speak to maybe both sides. If you're like fired up and you're like, man, I've been thinking like this, 
for a while already and you just jump in head first into the deep end, you're going to burn out really fast because these are emotional conversations. These are emotional reads. And this type of work requires you to look inward. Um, and I think when we do that, the Holy Spirit starts to reveal some things to us that we uh, don't like to look at and things that are really hard to look at. And if you don't have spaces where you're regularly, like put it in your calendar, write it down on a piece of paper. I am going to take this lunch break, or I'm going to take Monday, Wednesday, and Friday before I start work, 30 minutes to get quiet and to pray and to be with God. Um, you're going to flame out. You're going to burn out really quickly. Uh, so I would encourage you play the long game. Um, you're not going to have every answer next week. Uh, you're not going to probably be arriving to these really nice, cute, neatly packaged uh, conclusions next week. This is hard work that takes time. It has to be done um, not just individually, but also in community, mm-hmm. fellowship and relationship. That's something that we talk about a lot with 201. And um, one of the habits that we talk about at our church is small groups, fellowship. We need to be with each other. This is where a lot of our growth happens. Um, and to do that well, you got to have some gas in the tank to show up. Um, so slow down, um, pause, get quiet, get silent, take some time to, to pray and to be with God. It's, we've talked about this a lot on our podcast, you guys, um, our, our doing for God or doing with God stems from our being with God. We have to take time to be with God before we can participate and do with God. Um, and then on the flip side of that coin, if you're, thinking, uh, no, like it's not my time. I'm not ready. I would encourage you, um, the exact opposite of that. And that sounds might be, might be, uh, counterintuitive, but to, to jump in, um, trust yourself, you'll know, like God will lead you in this. The Holy spirit will lead you in this. Uh, there's seasons in our life where it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get in the car, grab the steering wheel and, and press the gas. Um, And it's when we're even in those moments, when we're taking time to slow down, um, to, to pray and to, to be with God, we hear more clearly from God and we might hear God saying, okay, it's time for you to, to pull off to the side of the road, um, pull off on this rest stop, press, uh, press the brakes, take it off cruise control and drop it down to maybe you need to be going 35, 25 residential neighborhood. You got it. You need to slow down. Um, and allow God to dictate that pace for us, but to even hear and to, to, to hear God dictating that pace for us, we have to have times where we're cultivating times where we're praying and listening to God, um, where we get quiet before God, where we get silent before God so that we can hear his voice. And maybe this is a go season for me, or maybe this is a season that I need to, to rest. Um, and I can't jump headlong or headfirst into this. Yeah, that's true. That's good. That's good. Laura, what has it been for you? Like what's the practice or the habit that has been really beneficial for you in these days as you, as we go through all of this COVID and the economics and being at home, but then as you sit next to your husband in this. Um, a lot of the same, a lot of really intentional unplug rest time getting away from my phone, I can spend way too much time. And even with work, really holding strong lines around Sabbath and rest and doing a lot of listening, trying to do, ironic to say on a podcast, but trying to do a lot more listening than I am talking, (laughs) Um, listening to 
Brandon, yes, but um, black women, black men, uh, people who have different experiences and different perspectives than me. Um, and it's really a practice to be slow to speak. I think that is a spiritual practice, a spiritual growth to be slow to speak, slow to respond, slow to defend, and just to listen. And so that's where I'm practicing right now, even when things make me uncomfortable, even when things make me want to defend and say, well, no, no, that's not, not all people are like that, or I don't think that's how I meant it, but just to listen and say, man, I'm really sorry for your hurt. Um, I also saw a really helpful resource, and I, I wish I could remember who it was by, but it, it talked about how a lot of us, white people especially, aren't used to running at this pace when it comes to um, processing and synthesizing what's going on right now, and that it's going to take time, and it's okay to, like Brandon said, slow down and take breaks, because you, your brain can only physically process so much information at a time, and it doesn't mean that you're not doing enough if you have times where you need to where you're having quote feed fatigue and you need to just step away from the news. There will be more news tomorrow. (laughs) We can always come back, but sometimes it's healthy to just step away and and be with yourself and the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Rest. Absolutely. I like that feed fatigue. Man, that's that's (laughs) the truth in these days. There's so much. It reminds me of uh, what you're saying, Laura, about, this kind of listening reminds me of a famous line from Dallas Willard where he was in a conversation with someone that who disagreed with them. And the guy said his final statement to him and Dallas just sat and listened. And later John Ortberg asked him like, Dallas, why didn't you respond to him? And he said, I'm practicing the discipline of not having the last word. Mm. I like that listening thing because it's, it's really easy. I feel like in these times, to fall into either the the younger brother, the prodigal, right? And we and it's in our actions and our attitudes and our mode and, and the things that we're doing outside of us that are causing problems. But it's also very easy and probably easier to fall into the older brother, that sins of the spirit kind of thing of just looking, judging, you know, and uh and, yeah. and doing nothing, condemning. Um and and neither of these are well. So we, we've got to find time to be quiet. We've got to find time to listen. We've got to find time uh, with God so he, we, we can do the work with him. Uh, because as you said, Brandon, we got to be in this for the long haul. This isn't a 2020 thing. This is, right. a, this is the, you know, the next 20 years thing. Um, yeah. And so, well, this has been a super powerful conversation and uh, I look forward to, to continuing this. Laura, thanks so much for being on the show. It was great having you. Having it me. was great to have you on the show. I think <laughs> so too. Watch Brandon. out, Jason. Yeah, oh yeah, watch out, Jason. Brandon, thanks for letting your boss come on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rob. That was great. And I want to say too, you guys, we'll, we'll put some um, resources in the show notes. So uh, you have things that you can read, things that you can listen to and engage with. Um, so be on the lookout for that. As well. Yeah, especially uh, the Well podcast would be a great thing to help. Absolutely. Class 201 at all of our campuses, you know, we're doing them on Zoom. Learn about the habits uh, Brandon was talking about. We have download retreat guides too. So if you need something to help you get some space and time, you can download those. Just go to the maturity page on sawback.com. Uh, but what I thought we'd do is just kind of pray that verse out again. And uh, just a reminder, guys, remember that that distress, that, that kind 
kind of that wrestling you're having, this is a good thing. We need yeah. this, 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 you know, place. Uh, we need to be in this place right now. We need to, to stand in this place and wrestle through some of these things. So we don't need to be fearful about this godly grief uh, because we know it's going to lead to repentance. So let me pray this. This is from uh, Eugene Peterson's version, the paraphrase of the Bible, the message. It just seems perfect for this moment. I know this, I know I distressed you greatly with my letter. Although I felt awful at the time, I don't feel at all bad now that I see how it turned out. The letter upset you, but only for a while. Now I'm glad, not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into turning things around. You let the distress bring you to God, not drive you from him. The result was all gain, no loss. The stress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on a deathbed of regrets. And now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress has goaded you closer to God? You're more alive. You're more concerned. You're more sensitive. You're more reverent, more human, more passionate, more responsible. Looked at from any angle, you've come out of this with purity of heart. And that is what I was hoping for in the first place when I wrote my letter. Oh, Jesus, help us in these times. Give us wisdom, but give us a heart that sits and listens. Give us a heart that seeks to understand and help us to constantly remind ourselves that we are your children and we are brothers and sisters. And grateful for Brandon, grateful for Laura, grateful for Jason and Alicia and Benjamin and baby Amy. Mm -hmm. Good things are still happening, God. Good things are still happening. Life still comes. And it comes from you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is great. Thanks so much, Rob. You guys, we will be back uh, with you next Tuesday, continuing our time season. And also for the foreseeable future, we will also be releasing on Thursdays, kind of these special editions talking about uh, the gospel, the kingdom, race, ethnicity, all of it to make sure that you feel equipped and ready uh, to step into conversations and learn. We love you guys so much and we will be with you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week